listeners to a very exciting episode of Whisper in the Wings. We have an incredibly full house today, and it is going to be a very exciting episode. Joining us today, we have writers and performers, as well as a host and producer involved with the 11th annual Gotham Storytelling Festival, which is taking place November 2nd through the 6th at the Crane Theater. Uh, So I'm just going to go and start listing all these incredible people and the shows that they are uh, associated with. Um, So we first have Paul Hutchison, who's performing Hutchin, New York. We have Mike Lemmy, who's performing The Roach. Michelle Carlo and Annie Tan, who are performing Annie and Michelle Get Real. Hello. Carol Montgomery, who is doing Funny Never Gets Old, the storytelling show. And Seth Lynn, who is uh, hosting and producing Told. And that is the one show, listeners, that will be at Under St. Mark's. So do make note of that. The rest of the shows are at the Crane, but this one, this one is at Under St. Mark's. So everyone, welcome to Whisper in the Wings. Hello. (laughs) Thank you. Hello. Thank you so much. Uh, this here. is incredible to just have so many incredible storytellers gathered in one space. I'm so excited um, to just have you all here to, to talk about this festival. Um, now, in a previous episode, we did talk about, we, we were talking about the 25th anniversary of Frigid New York. We did mention a little bit about the Gotham Storytelling Festival. It's the second uh, festival after the Days of the Dead that Frigid New York does. Um, I'm incredibly excited because this is, this is, This is what theater is at the heart of it. It's storytelling. Um, So what I'd like to give the opportunity to do is to give each of you uh, uh, a little bit of time to tell our listeners a bit about your show. And Mike, why don't I start with you? Yes, Andrew, thank you so much. I'm happy to go first because I'm currently hiding in an empty office at my temp job. (laughs) That's the only reason why I'm going first. It's like, I need to get out of here so I don't get fired. (laughs) So so, uh, November 5th, 5 p.m. at the Crane Theater, I'm doing a show called The Roach, which is all about uh, my last day job ever, which is where I currently am right now. (laughs) I am at my last day job ever. Uh, Next year will be my 20th anniversary, the first time I earned a paycheck, which is also the first time I ever learned how to shut up for financial reasons. So that is about my 20th anniversary of my first day job and my 20th anniversary of the first time I got on stage. So um, the show is all about that. It's all about my last day job and how I'm going to transition into doing uh, stand-up full-time, storytelling full-time. And it involves a roach. So come by and check it out. Annie and Michelle, how about you? Why don't you tell us about your show? Hi, on Saturday, November 5th at 7 o'clock, we are going to be doing Annie and Michelle Get Real. We're splitting the hour, um, and we're the tagline of our story of, of our show is uh, real life, real stories told by real New Yorkers. New Yorkers. Yeah, I, New I'm Yorkers. trying to get my Chinatown <laughs> accent. I can't really say New Yorkers. It's weird. <laughs> New York. So anyway, um, Annie and I represent uh, Chinatown and Spanish Harlem, respectively. Well, actually, we're in my apartment in Brooklyn right now. But um, we're both telling stories about, they're about our families and about how our um, perspectives for things change over time. But they're two totally different stories. Yes. Yeah. We're, you know, growing up like as, you know, kids of immigrants and 
like trying to figure out our lives here in America and try and be artists and try and be ourselves while having huge gaps yeah. with our families, yeah. like and try and figure that stuff out. It's real. That's why we're yep. getting real in the show. We're getting real. Yeah. So we're hoping y'all will uh, be there. I'm going to be talking a lot about my language gap with my family. You know, how many of you aren't fluent in the same languages as your parents? Mm. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> and Michelle, too. Uh, Michelle won't be talking as much about that, but, um, you know, navigating what it means to, like, be a New Yorker, kid of immigrants, uh, different things going on for both of us. And I'm just going to be adding, like, everything around me now is getting old. My mom, my cat, me. And how do you, like, reconcile with, with, with all that? And, like, what am I going to be when I grow up, which is so different than what I thought I was going to be when I was growing up? Awesome. Paul, Paul Hutchison, how about you? Why don't you tell us a bit about your show? Yes, hello. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Arez and the Frigid Festival, and I was, it's actually funny, I started my performance career in New York uh, in 2009 with the Fringe Festival. So the show called Hutchin uh, New York City is basically, the first half is my relationship with New York and stories within that. So performing stories in New York, New York moments that I had. Uh, and then at the Hutch in New York takes you then on all the stories that came up during COVID. So in isolation, I think we, we were given time as humans to reflect a lot. So I've also worked with teenagers for 20 years. So I reflected on that career as well as the performance career. And then as well as even your career or your life in general, your sexuality um, and just your relationship with yourself now, how that changed during COVID. So that's kind of the overarching uh, theme of the show. Carol, how about you? Why, why don't you tell us a bit about your show? Yes, um, my, my show is called Funny Never Gets Old. It's an offshoot of uh, the comedy stand-up show called Funny Women of a Certain Age. We'll be premiering um, this storytelling show November 2nd at The Crane um, at 7 p.m. And what uh, Funny Never Gets Old is I wanted to include it all genders because um, being a female comic it, it, it's, it is very hard. So... That's why I created Funny Women of a Certain Age. But then we decided, you know, there's plenty of people who other other genders that don't get the recognition uh, uh, also. And because ageism is a real thing, I thought let's include some other people. So it's um, it's going to be uh, John Guild, uh, Carolyn Castigula, Jane Gennaro, and myself doing stories about our lives. Um, some will be talking about aging, probably some, some won't. It's mostly to show that even if you reach a certain age doesn't mean that you're not viable and not important um, in this society. So, so I'm opening it up to a lot of other people and it, it should be fun. It should, you know, stand-up comics are, we're a weird, we are a weird breed because storytelling is very foreign to a lot of comedians. So I want to give a ch uh, these people a chance to, you know, break out of the mold and everything. Cause I also develop and direct solo shows. So this is a perfect way for them to see whether or not they want to explore doing that. So it's going to be a fun show. We're going to have a lot of fun. So come on down. Yes. I love that. Seth, tell us about your show. I'm very excited about this. I'd be happy to. So Told was a storytelling show that ran for four years and 50 performances um, ending 10 years ago. And so this show in the Gotham Storytelling Festival for one night old only is told resurrection. 
Um, and because we're resurrecting the show, that will be the theme. So people, um, the storytellers in the show will be talking about um, personal stories of rebirth or resurrection or some cataclysmic identity shift. Um, and one unique thing about Told is that there are always four storytellers, but we always have a fifth person who is somehow personally or professionally related to the theme who performs small interstitial bits that respond to each story. So I'm currently in the search for someone who has died and returned to life, Uh, whether that uh, ideally someone who had experienced flatlining and seeing the light. And I have some leads um, on people who uh, so that's that's my hope for the interstitial person. It might end up being someone with a more um, possibly a more abstract relationship with the concept of of uh, resurrection. Maybe someone who uh, lost all of their memory and and sort of figuratively became a different person. Um, but like when we had a show about animals, there was an animal rehabilitationist who um, who responded. When we did horror stories, an actress from the Human Centipede did. Um, responses to to the stories. So, um, and then I'm the host and producer. So I curate the stories and recruit the storytellers and perform sort of micro stories on the theme throughout it. Uh, and that's told resurrection. It's not only the only show at a different theater. It's at under St. Mark's. It's also outside the official window of the festival. Um, it's on Tuesday, um, November eighth at under St. Mark's. Um, so uh, so we're an oddball, but I'm just really excited to bring the show back after so long. Holy cow. That, uh, you jumped all, all the way in on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's rare that dead people perform, but we're going to try. I've died on stage. Does that count? Sure, you're in. You're in. <laughs> well, moving right along, um, I want to ask, and I'm not sure if everyone's got an answer for this, but what is the, uh, the message that you're hoping audiences will leave with uh, with, with your stories. And I'm going to go and start with Annie and Michelle for that one. Yeah, I guess like just that people always feel misunderstood and it's okay to feel that way. We're all trying to reach for each other. Um, and we have specific life circumstances that like can make it harder or easier in some ways, but, uh, to encourage people to reach out, especially after this pandemic time has made so many people not be able to reach out. And, and also that we are, no matter what our culture, race, ethnicity, whatever, identity, we are more alike than we're different because we all have the same stories. Yes. It's, 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 it's the human experience, you know. Well, Seth, how about you? What is the message you're hoping audiences will take away from your show? I don't know if it's quite a message, but what I want, uh, I feel like it told at its best after the show, everyone truly felt like they shared a moment. Um, Under St. Mark's is a theater of a size where you don't need microphones. And while a lot of the stories are funny, they end up being quite poignant and um, at the end of the show, sometimes we're, I feel like we're sitting there for a moment going, whoa, the first show we ever did that had the interstitial performer I was talking about was a show about um, premonitions. And I had a tarot reader do onstage tarot readings of each performer. 
And I thought this will be kind of fun and cute. I'm not someone who like sort of believes in that stuff. And it ended up that for every performer, it was this super emotional experience where whether we, the audience or they like believed in this, it was, it was like revealing things and got really deep. And, um, and it ended up being this like special uh, like hour and a half in this, in this basement theater. So I hope, I guess I just, um, uh, the the hope with this show is that we'll all feel just leave just feeling we like we shared something. Amazing, throwing it up to Mike. Mike, yes, yes, what, yes. I'm um, still here. What's Didn't the get fired up? <laughs> Didn't get fired. Yeah, it's getting close. I've been away from my desk for about 35 <laughs> minutes now. After this is this is post lunch break too. I already took my lunch break, so we're just wow. living on the edge, baby. Living on the edge. Uh, one of the themes for the Roach is that nobody believes in your dreams more than a temp agency. <laughs> no, because as long as you keep going, you don't give up. They still make money. Uh, I have been with the same temp agency for like eight years so uh at this point i'm like the godfather to the owner's kids <laughs> like, like if anything happens to the owner of the temp agency i'm still gonna be pursuing my dream so that kid is gonna be fine that that family's still gonna make money for generations to come so like if you're moving to new york and you need a support system start temping because they uh they believe in you as long as you don't get fired while doing a, a zoom interview for a podcast <laughs> Carol, what about you? What's the message you're hoping that audiences take away? Um, Well, like I mentioned earlier, it's basically you're never too old to do anything because we live in a society that is, uh, you know, I've said this on stage, if I had to choose between ageism or sexism, I would take a pat on the ass because it meant somebody noticed me. Um, so, wow. so, so I, I try to, you know, especially during uh, the, the, the live uh, comedy shows that I've done and also with Funny Never Gets Old, it's basically don't let anybody tell you you can't do something because you're old or because you're young or because you're, uh, you're, you're a different gender or you're, you're gay or, or different. It doesn't matter. Just do be, take away that you can, anyone can do anything. I came up with the I came up with the idea of a funny women of a certain age when I was 59 years old. And then out of that week got um, three Showtime specials. So, you know, you're never too, it's never too late to try something and don't let anybody tell you you can't do anything, regardless of age, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation. Just do it, man. Just do it. <laughs> well, rounding this out, Paul, Paul, what is yes. the message or thought that you hope that uh, audience members take away? Yeah, for me, it's, it's more my, my shows also half stand up, half storytelling. So for me, it's just about that communal, coming back to that communal uh, theater space where people are laughing together. So I'm really hoping that people at the end of the show have a smile on their face. Uh, I went to see a film the other day and it was a comedy and it was, I was almost brought to tears just by everyone, strangers laughing together in a, in a theater once again and laughing at that guy up, up in the back who had that odd laugh and the woman in front of us who had this cackle. <laughs> That was amazing. And at the end of the film, it was like that really lovely uh, sense of cathartic uh, emotion because we all laughed together. So that's what I'm really hoping for in my show is that people uh, laugh and have a sense of community about it. I love just the broad spectrum. I mean, first of all, when, we, when, you, told, when, you, when you all told us what your stories were kind of about, we already got the idea that they're all different clearly. Mm-hmm. But then to tag on your messages, 
clearly there's a broad spectrum of this deep connection or this cathartic experience to just laugh and have a good time. I mean, there really is just something for everyone. It sounds like literally anyone can buy a ticket, sit there the entire, you know, evening or day and just go on a roller coaster ride of emotions and have a great time, which is great. Have you seen us lately calling all the shots even when the ninja roster Time to know it's time to believe that the time is now that we're gonna make it bleed Top shelf is always open, that's the place where Kessler rocks the water bottle floating Daniel and Henrik are always causing pain with the tip to tape pass that'll mesmerize your brain Pearl's flying at you with the heat as clean as Mrs. Cleaver from that show Leave it to Beaver, the Wongo's glove hand sticks side has a double stack gives the And that leads me to my next question which is who do you hope have access to your 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 show or your stories and i'm going to stick uh with you paul and start with you who do you hope have access again anyone who, who wants to have a good time is, can always have access to my shows uh and also the, the queer community is always uh, a community that i love when i see them in my audience when i can appreciate them because they're they're on a different level in terms of some of the jokes that i have and stories i have a queer audience gets on board right away because we have that same experience. So I always love having my audience uh, with a good dose of queer because then uh, it re-energizes me and gives me the confidence as well to go on with it. I love that. Seth, how about you? Well, I hope to be able to let all the old school fans of the show know about it, despite the fact that MailChimp deleted my email list. Oh no. Um, (laughs) They did warn me. But I figured after seven years, I wasn't going to do another show, but here we are. So um, and then in terms of access, one thing I love about the Horse Trade Theater Group in Frigid, New York, is that not only is it accessible to artists um, to put up experimental shows, people who maybe don't have huge credits, but um, the tickets for this festival are sliding scale. You can choose what to pay. So really, no one's going to be excluded, which is so cool and I don't know any anywhere else that does that. So, yeah, I'm 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 glad that that uh that it can reach anyone and hopefully I can I can find a couple of email addresses here. Annie and uh, Michelle, who do you hope have access to this great I mean really a great New York story? Well, what Seth says goes double triple for us too because frigid and the accessibility and the inclusivity is just amazing about the festival and we're just all about anyone who has ever felt like they've been the other Mm -hmm. and that's everyone yeah i think anyone who also like relates to the immigrant diaspora in any way and that's all of us because everyone's an immigrant to america in some way um will relate to it you know what does it mean to belong what does it mean to seek belonging and find your people and how and how do you find your your place in in the world when you have to reconcile two different worlds or many many different or many different worlds right yeah Mm -hmm. galaxies oh yeah Yeah. solar systems (laughs) yeah redhead planets she's a redhead for those listening New York and redhead. Yeah, that's right. Puerto Rican redhead. That's like double, triple rare. Seriously. And I'm just a black haired Chinese American, Asian American. <laughs> Carol, how about you? What, what, who do you hope have access to this hilarious show that you've written? Well, you know, I always like to say that um, uh, you, it's for everyone. It's for everyone because the message, like I said, is, you know, we, we live in a society right now where 
We're told what we should do and what we shouldn't do. We're also a very divided society right now. And I'm trying to let people know, don't listen to the media. Don't listen to the beauty magazines. Don't listen to, like I have a line where I say, you know, if men had to do one third of what we women do to get out of the house, there would be no beauty industry. So it's about, it's about being who you are. And when, when we, you know, even, even though it's people who are older or of a certain age, we always have people, we always have people of, uh, across the spectrum and both the, uh, all three of the specials, uh, a third of the audience was millennials and Gen Z. So it's the meaning is is just, you know, go ha- come have a good time. There's so much shit going on. Come to this festival. This it's such a great, you know, you'll be uplifted, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll pee your pants, all of it. It's it, and 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 everyone's talking about frigid. You know, if it wasn't for frigid, we would have none of the specials because. The crane believed in us from the beginning, from the beginning, and they they've let us shine. So I, that's why I, I'm like, come support live theater. This is the time. This is really the time to go because we've all been locked in our rooms, and I really want to put pants on again. So please come. <laughs> yes, and rounding it out, Mike. Mike hidden away yes, in yes, the office. Yes. Still here. Still here. Office. Still here. We're at a uh, I don't know. I'm waiting for you minutes. to get. Yeah. I'm waiting for like that, some, some like your boss to come in. My adrenaline is running. It's like I'm about to get on stage. I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out, waiting for someone to walk in here. Um, who I want access, I want someone from Sonia Friedman Productions to have access to uh, the show because it seems like they invest. Wow, in that is a nice specific. <laughs> I like that. Because as uh, as a comedian, I'm also a playwright, and it seems like uh, Sonia Friedman uh, and her team invest in a, a lot of shows. So if you know anyone connected to them, uh, you get in free. Come on, everyone, come on, just come, just everyone. Start cold emailing them, and then come over. Why not? <laughs> I want to give our listeners a chance now uh, to get to know all of you, which, I mean, this is kind of a weird moment because I feel like through your performances, they're going to get that opportunity. Um, But nonetheless, I want to ask just a couple of questions. And the first one I want to ask is what shows or playwrights or composers have inspired you in the past or do you love? And I want to start with uh, Seth on this one. You know, this might be a weird answer because it's not, it's not technically theater, but I feel like it felt like theater to me. Um, and I'm going to say Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, I, f- I think some of the best entertainment is entertainment that works for kids and adults. Um, and isn't necessary, not just that it's like winky innuendo that only the adults get, but that truly it's sort of like, they maybe like it for the same reason, even like, I think. And so, um, that has inspired me, I think, to keep sort of a playfulness within um, within uh, stuff that I make, um, even though it's all it's not it's never like um, for kids. So, um, yeah, hopefully there's a little Pee Wee's Playhouse in uh, in told. Paul, how about you? The person that comes to mind when I think of someone that like uh, spurred me even to get on stage was uh, Margaret Cho. 
And I remember going to a rep cinema uh, years and years ago to see I'm the one that I want. And I remember just being blown away by the level of honesty she conveyed. Like, I honestly did not think you could speak about the things she was speaking about. And all of a sudden, it was that light bulb moment where it was like, I'm going to do that too. And I remember leaving that show and thinking within a year, I'll have written and performed a one-person show. And I did. Um, and she was the, the, the spur that kind of pushed that along. So she's a, definitely a comic hero to me. Carol, how about you? I, you know, as a, a, the, the show that really did it for me was Lily Tomlin's uh, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life. Yes. And, and I have a, it's an interesting story. So when I first started out as a, you know, when I was a young, young comic, I went to see the show. And of course, I was blown away with it because how could you not be? But years later, after I was an established comic and uh, I had some years, I had some success, I went to see it again because she had revived it. And I, the amount of emotions that I was overwhelmed with because I, was, I, I remember being that little girl who was like, oh, gee, all I want to do is be a comedian. And oh, and, and oh, if I could only, and then I had the success and I saw it again. So it was, it was really quite overwhelming for me that, that, that I had achieved my dream. Do you know what I mean? So, so, so she, 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 everything she does, everything Lily Tomlin does is gold to me. So, and, and uh, getting, uh, Margaret is an old friend of mine and she is one of the nicest and sweetest women. So, so I, I, the next time I see her, I will make sure I tell her. Please do. I will, don't worry, do. I will. <laughs> Zipping back to our man in the bunker, Mr. Mike Lemmy. <laughs> it's getting bad. It's getting bad. I'm freaking out. Um, it's uh, I am inspired by everyone who's been able to make a living doing what they want to be doing. So pretty much everyone in this on this on this call right now, everyone <laughs> doing this podcast is inspiring me. Uh, uh, there's a comedian named Jordan Temple. Jordan mm -hmm. Temple and I did a, a show together at UCB, probably like seven or eight years ago. And Jordan just got done uh, working his shift as a mover. Like he was moving someone out of their apartment or house. And he was complaining about how he hates his job and he hates moving. And he was like very frustrated. Didn't see Jordan for a few years. I looked him up recently. Jordan is now a producer on Atlanta. He's a producer on Abbott Elementary. And he has his own like one man shows out in LA. Don't know how he did it. The last time I saw him, he was like very upset about having to do a, a moving job. And now he's uh, a very successful producer and comedian. So like people like that, I'm like, how? Like there's a way to do it. You know, you could be moving boxes one day and then a couple of years later, you're on some of the most successful shows out there. So I'm just inspired by people that find a way to make it happen. Incredible. And then to uh, round us out, Annie and Michelle. Well, I'm inspired mostly by the 1970s television of my childhood. Mm -hmm. Shows like All in the Family and The Flip Wilson Show and Good Times and The Jeffersons and Sanford and Son and Chico and the Man, Chico and the Man, because they were all mad funny, but they were also heartbreaking because they dealt with some real topics that at that time it was unheard of to be discussed on public platforms. And I kind of like pride myself, sorry, in a way of talking about the most messed up stuff, but then there's humor in it. Like you're laughing. Like one, one of my stories, okay, not, not in this show, but I tell a story about getting a mistaken identity 
beat down during a high school race riot. And I'm given, when they find out that I'm Puerto Rican and I'm not white, they give me their weed to make up for it. <laughs> and I sold the weed to get a ticket to see Led Zeppelin. All right. So like, like that level. And also Chico and the Man, because Chico and the Man was one of the first times I saw on television, someone that looked like they could have been for my family. Mm. Yep. That was Mulan for me as a kid. Really? Watching Disney, like when the scene goes where she's wiping half her face and like she's crying, like uh, if I show my family who I am, they'll I'll break my family's heart. Like in oh the Disney, Chi like such a good movie for a nine-year-old Chinese kid. Like oh, um, I in high school I played Furuma Sarah and Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, I love Fiddler on the Roof. You know, so Jewish. Uh, so much about just like you know, anti-Semitism and just real hard topics that are happening in the world. But it was so damn funny. Like Sunrise, Sunset, every time I hear, if I were a rich man, um, it just warms my heart to know like, man, this is some real, real uh, stuff all put in one musical about one family. Um, and lastly, just the storytelling community, like Michelle, when uh, she heard about me, she like pulled me under her wing like five, six years ago. Uh, and, you know, everyone in the storytelling community is just so kind and like wants everyone to succeed and tell their story. And it's really uplifting. Like, I don't think I would have the courage to be on stage if it wasn't for everyone else being like, you got this. Oh, and I, I forgot that we are not being seen. So when Annie said that I took her under my wing, I just put like my armpit on her. And I sniffed her <laughs> armpit. That is, I didn't actually, but for a podcast viewer, you can imagine. Yeah, anyway, anyway, okay, we talked enough. <laughs> Muting now. Well, I want to round out um, the interview by asking my favorite question, which is what is your favorite theater memory? And I'd like to start with... Carol, are you are you ready with a few, uh, your favorite? I am actually. Oh, perfect, perfect. Okay, let's start with I you. I am actually. Um, just so you'll know, I, I remember going to the city. I lived in, I lived in Brooklyn, Chieftain Bay, in Brooklyn, New York. And I remember going to the city with my parents, and we saw the original cast of Pearly, the musical Pearly, with um, um, uh, uh, Melba Moore. And I think it was Clifton Davis, but I just remember like I never I I was a kid from Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Like I watch I watch cartoons on the weekends. You know, on Sundays we watch you know the Bowery Boys and uh, you know uh, the, you know Abbott and Costello. I didn't know about live theater, and that changed my life. That really did, and it brought me to uh, to the life that I live now because I've always been very theater friendly. My background, just so you know, is my mother-in-law is a renowned uh, Broadway pianist who played on everything and was in the, you know, played in the original cast album of Chicago. She was good friends with Fosse. She, you know what I mean? Like, so, and then my husband is um, a child guardian on Broadway. So, so I've had, so Broadway has been around me my whole life, but you know, but I, you know, like I said, I remember being a kid, you know, there's something about Broadway theaters. They're the smallest seats in the world. They're the most uncomfortable. But as a little kid walking in and seeing all the velvet and, and the gold and, and just thinking, this is, why, why am I, why don't I do this every week? 
you know, but I was nine or however old I was. But that's always, I always remember that. that it changed my life. Mike, how about you? What is your favorite uh, theater memory? Yes, yes. I'm also, I'm getting way too comfortable. I'm feeling fine now. I'm not even nervous anymore. I'm like, this is, we should, I should do podcasts every day at 2.30. We could do another hour. I feel like no one carries them in here. So I want, I, I've experienced all the emotions of a theatrical show while sitting in this empty office. We got a beginning, middle and end right now. I'm feeling fine. And the end is hopefully uh, I get out of here without, with my job. Um, so Favorite off-Broadway memory, I went to see Andy Baker's The Flick, and uh, as soon as I walked in, I saw that the stage was an empty theater, and that was like one of the coolest experiences just for, to, I didn't know you could do something like that, where you can kind of like get into someone's head as soon as they walk into the space, because it just blew me away to be in an empty theater, to see an empty theater on the set, I'm like, that was that was cool. And then a uh, uh, favorite Broadway memory is um, I saw Denzel in the Iceman Cometh, the Iceman Cometh, mm -hmm. and he's not in the show for like the first 20 or 30 minutes. And as soon as he walks in, the whole energy in the, the theater changed. And it was just such a cool, like, uh, it was just cool to see one person have that much change on hundreds of people watching the show. Paul, how about you? What is your favorite theater memory? Um, when I think theater memory, I think of myself. I'm, uh, I'm from Canada, small town Ontario. So I didn't really know about Broadway in New York when I was young. I just knew that people performed sometimes. And I was in grade four and they, did, they used to do shows in my elementary school. Seven and eights had the main characters and they let some younger kids audition. And I got a, I got a role as a pickpocket and I had one line and it was one genuine snuff box. And I milked that line so badly and with such force, that one line and got a laugh. And I was in grade four and I remember just thinking, oh, this stage thing's pretty amazing. Um, and then I remember coming to New York years later in high school on a school trip and seeing an off-Broadway uh, driving Miss Daisy that only used two stools. Um, and that blew me away because I had no idea theater could be that powerful without using costuming and set and lighting design. I had no idea that it could, you know, the story could be distilled that quite beautifully. So that was my Broadway memory. Seth, how about you? What's your favorite theater memory? I was never a performer um, until college. And I actually had no intention of being a performer. I, I did stage crew in high school and there was a student theater group at college and I I signed up to do stage crew for them. And the um, director said, so um, we didn't have enough people audition. You're playing George Duke of Clarence and Richard III. And I was like, isn't that my decision? <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but I said, yes. And um, that was the first time I, I performed and it was an amazing experience. It was, it was like a um, moderate sort of a Baz Luhrmann style, bastardized Bob, Baz Luhrmann style modernization. So, um, so there was like modern music and guns and stuff. And at the end of the um, play, Chumbawamba's I Get Knocked Down would play and everyone would like rise from the dead. And uh, though that's an objectively <laughs> terrible song, it was so emotional and there were strobe lights going and like black lights. And it was like um, it was a really it was a really powerful thing. And I um, I kept I kept performing ever after that. So that that was the moment um, in a theater, which. Um, like Paul is also about me. Awesome. And uh, just to wrap that up, Annie and Michelle, what are your favorite theater memories? Uh, yeah, I saw Leah Salonga and George Sakai in Allegiance in 2015. 
uh, I told this story on the risk podcast if you just look me up later. Uh, but that was a great show and also super emotional for me um, for reasons I'll get into in the risk podcast. You can listen to that later. Um, but seeing all these Asian American actors on stage, like have, being in an Asian American musical was so meaningful for me and made me know like that we could really do this if we kept writing our own stories, which is why I'm a storyteller. For me, in a large theater, it's the moment that the curtain opens. And in a smaller theater, it's the moment the lights go off. Because I know in both, in any case, for the next hour or two or so, I am going to be transported to a time and place and hear a story or be brought on a journey that I probably never considered before. And to me, that's why theater and storytelling is so great because it gets you out of yourself and it opens up whole other worlds for you. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love doing theater and I love Frigid and I um, love you guys. So yay. What wonderful memories. Thank you all for sharing those. I love all of those. Can I just, I, 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 I because I, I, when I was talking about Pearly, I was like, I wasn't sure if I hit correct. So it was not Clifton Davis. He was dating Melba Moore in Pearl, but it was Cleavon Little who ended up playing Pearly, which, you know, he goes on to many other fabulous things, but I did want to say that. So I didn't want to, because I was like, I knew that I knew that like, you remember, you know, you remember stuff from childhood. I said, why did I say Clifton Davis? I was like, oh, right. Cause they were dated. <laughs> How do I, I was 12. How would I have known that? But yes, it was Cleavon Little, Melba Moore, <laughs> And Sherman Hemsley. So it was like this amazing, oh. it, was just, it was an amazing cast that was, you know, and for, for a little girl from Brooklyn, I was like, what? You know, so just needed oh. to make a, make a correction. Wow, George Jefferson was in that show, cool. Yeah, right? What an amazing cast, wow. Yeah, right? Well, do any of you have any other productions or projects coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug? Mike, Mike, what do you have coming on the pipeline? Yes, so um, I just brought two shows to the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival, and one of them was called Bathroom of Bar and Bleaker, and we're currently turning that into a short film, so that should be out in uh, the winter or the springtime. So uh, be on the lookout for that Bathroom of Bar and Bleaker with Emil Fazorla, and uh, I'm around doing stand-up, so uh, MikeLomby.com for any... uh, any updates? Join my mailing list. Hopefully, hopefully Mailchimp doesn't delete it. <laughs> join, join my mailing list. And uh, I am. I probably should sign out at this point. <laughs> I probably should. I probably should sign out. Uh, November fifth, five p.m. at the Crane, the Roach celebrating twenty years of day jobs and my last day job ever. Amazing. Thank you, Mike. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much. You Thank you. Mike didn't get busted. Yay! <laughs> yes. Yes. Redefining yes. temporary in so many different ways. <laughs> That's a permanent agency. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have have a good, uh, I'll see you guys later. Bye, Mike. See you at the theater. Uh, Seth. Yeah. If anyone happens to be going to um, San Francisco sketch fest this coming winter, the um, improvised sci-fi podcast that um, I'm a part of is performing. It's called mission to Zix Z Y X X. Um, and that's, I think, January 20th out in San Francisco. Uh, and if you're not in San Francisco, you can also listen to the entire podcast, but um, that'll be when we're performing it uh, live next. Incredible. I saw Michelle and Annie, you've got something as well. 
I'm I do a lot of storytelling. I'm like do lots and lots of shows with different people. I've been on Carol's show. I've been on Seth's show over the past year. So if you want to know where I'll be next, you can go to my website. That's michellecarlo.com. Michelle with one L. michellecarlo.com. And um, you can follow me on Insta at Michelle as Shell. Yeah. And uh, so Michelle was recently featured on Stories from the Stage on PBS. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and hey, I will, yeah, and I'll be performing as Stories from the Stage November 10th in Boston. Uh, so you can get tickets for that now. If you look up Stories from the Stage, uh, you can find my information at AnnieTan.com and find me on Instagram and Twitter at AnnieTangent. Paul or Carol, do either of you have anything coming that you'd like to plug? Um, well, I used to do um, late night cabaret shows for the Frigid Festival years ago that when it was the Fringe Festival at under St. Mark's. Uh, so Arez and I talked about in February, maybe doing an anniversary show. It's been about 10 years since I've hosted a show down there. So look for that during the uh, Frigid Theatre Festival in February. Uh, and I have a website as well called CanuckHutch.com. And you can also follow me on Insta at CanuckHutch. Uh, if you want to check out any other future shows or in, in Canada, because I am based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada as well. And I produce shows here as well. Amazing. And Carol. Um, Instagram is at Carol Montgomery Comic. Twitter is at National Mom. Um, and we're, we, we have a monthly residency at The Crane uh, for funny women of a certain age. And um, we're working on uh, trying to get the next, uh, the next TV special up and running, but uh, we still have to be greenlit again. So um, we're, you know, we just, we, and you can go to funnywomenofacertainage.com, carolmontgomery.com. Uh, you know, I, I'm like I said, I'm the, the brand is very strong. So it's now, you know, the next thing I'm looking for is like people to sponsor it. And because we did a mini tour a couple of a couple of weeks ago, that went really well and stuff and everything. So we're just trying to keep everything going. So you know, come see, come see the. I'm telling you, the people who are listening, come. See, there's you will not be disappointed in any of the shows because they're all great and it's all talented people. And it, like I said, supporting Frigid and, and what they do for the community, that's worth it alone. And then Seth, do you have a um, social media or a website that we might be able to? Uh, yeah, um, all my projects are at sethlind.com and then I'm just at Seth Lind on Twitter. Amazing. Well, my full house of guests today have been these incredible storytellers uh mike lemmy who wrote and is performing the roach annie tan and michelle carlo who are writers and performers of annie michelle get real um paul hutchison who is the writer and performer of hutch in new york thank you andrew uh, Carol Montgomery, writer and performer of Funny Never Gets Old, the storytelling show, and Seth Lynn, who is the host and producer of uh, Told. And one more time, Told is at Under St. Mark's. All of these amazing performers are part of the 11th annual Gotham Storytelling Festival, November 2nd through the 6th at the Crane Theater, with the exception of Told, again, at Under St. Mark's. And tickets and more information are available at frigid.nyc. Um, they have social media and websites as well that we're going to post on the episode description, as well as on our social media. Trust me when I tell you this is not something you want to miss 
This is going to be incredibly exciting. You're going to get incredible stories from a wide range of emotions and feelings and backgrounds. And you'll definitely want to follow all of these people to keep in and keep your finger on what they're doing. Cause this has been an absolute blast talking to all of you. I mean, I could talk to you fun. all day if you yeah, likewise. All the time. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Thank you so much for putting this together. Yes. And so, so wonderful to see. Well, I can see you guys, but so wonderful to hear what everyone is doing. And I can't, I can't wait till the curtain opens or the lights go down. <laughs> it's lovely meeting you all. Lovely nice to see you all. Thanks, too. Andrew. Bye. Thank Bye, you so everyone. much. Big hug for Andrew. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. Reminding you to turn off your cell phone. Unwrap your candies. And keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by David Blair, The Joy Drops, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs>